What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Hi welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you don't know me yet, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. You can learn more about me and how we can work together at elisecortez.com or gusto-now.com. Let me thank my partner and sponsor, WorkProud. We are a perfect collaboration. Everyone wants to know they matter and that the work that they do is meaningful and appreciated. WorkProud is a mobile platform built to encourage employees to share stories and recognize each other's contribution. WorkProud empowers HR and business leaders to help create company cultures where all employees are inspired to feel proud of their work and proud of their company. Learn more at WorkProud.com. With us today is Scott Warwick, an employment law attorney and HR professional whose unique background helps organizations to build morale and avoid lawsuits. He's the author of Tolerance and Diversity for White Guys and Other Human Beings, Living the Five Skills of Tolerance. We'll be talking about his approach to working with companies on DNI initiatives, the five skills of tolerance he teaches in his seminars, and some of the examples of when lack of tolerance for diversity manifests in things going awry. He joins us today from Reynoldsburg, Ohio. Scott, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you much. Can, can you hear me all right? Absolutely beautifully. Oh, Thanks so much. Thanks for we, having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Um, uh, listener or viewers, you can't see Scott in this episode, but that's that's okay. Um, you'll be able to catch his audio in this, so we wanted to make sure and bring him to the show, even though we can't actually see him on his camera. So no worries, Scott. You're coming through loud and clear. Perfect. So to kick us off, we we can't show you in here, but you really are not the typical guy or gal conducting mm-hmm. your tolerance your your basic tolerance program. You, as you like to describe yourself, are a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant straight male who conducts this training. So what's that like? Oh, that's a real interesting thing. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, it, it's funny. When, if you really want to see who values a topic, just look around and see who goes to the conventions. And usually when I go to a convention, and my purpose for all this stuff is a, a little different than a lot of people, but I'm an employment attorney and I'm an HR guy. But when I go, I am one of a handful of white people there, one of an even fewer amount of white guys. And as I talk to people more and more and more, uh, it's interesting because most people think that I'm gay because, well, why else would you be interested in diversity and tolerance? And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? I mean, this is something for all humans. And, and that's what we've got to start really focusing on is that we're all humans. That's what my focus is. And I am usually one of the very few speakers that happens to be a white male. And, and, and I think it's because the way this message is presented by some of the quote, quote, diversity experts is the message completely gets lost when we're trying to translate this into business. And I think that's what we got to work on to change. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to dig into some of this experience and how it manifests for, for all of us. But before we get into that, you say a lot of things very pro- provo- provocative in your book. And by the way, I, as I told you before we got on, I loved your book. I read the books cover to cover. That's part of my own training process. It's funny. It's engaging. And you bring to light a lot of issues from a vantage point that I think, from what I know of DNI, are really missing. And to that end, one of the things I thought was 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 very interesting that you say in your book is that uh, much of what traditional diversity programs teach is wrong and sometimes actually illegal. What do you mean? Oh, yes. Uh, well, a couple things. Uh, two big, big points here. Uh, first of all, I have never been to a diversity conference where some speaker somewhere didn't engage in good old fashioned white bashing. Now, I, I will be the first to say, absolutely, there's a lot of blame to go around for, for white males and everything. But if you want to win your CEO over, don't sit up there and say how evil white males are. I mean, that, that you just that's not how you're going to win your audience over. The other thing is tolerance versus acceptance. Now, this is a really interesting thing because I do battle a lot. I eat a lot of dinners alone when I go to diversity conferences because some of the most... <laughs> Oh my gosh, if you just disagree with some of these folks, they treat you like you just told them their kid was ugly. Uh, <laughs> you, you, there's no disagreement. It's, 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 so here's my point. I had a, an Amish company up in Holmes County, Ohio, which uh, Holmes County, Ohio is full of Amish and it is the number one tourist uh, county in all of Ohio, more than Cedar Point, more than the Reds or anything. And it's really interesting because I go up there and this, you've probably seen these shows where somebody is breaking away from the Amish. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but okay. Sounds oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. They're on like some of these cable network shows, but uh, they have this young girl, 20, 21 years old, and she really broke away from the Amish, really broke away. She turned Satanist. Now this is going to be fun. It's like a Monty Python routine. So she dyes her hair jet black, paints her fingernails black, black lipstick. And I am quite sure she went on to Amazon and ordered her Satanist Bible and jewelry. Because I don't think there's any place in Holmes Holmes County where you can go buy uh, a Satanist Bible. Then she goes to work and just picture all of these older Amish ladies with the bonnets and everything. They are treating her like dirt, shunning her just terrible so i get a call from the owner i go up and i use what i call my epr skills empathic listening parroting and rewards that's how i resolve conflict so i sit back i slow down the way i talk and i say well tell me what's happening that's empathic listening and and understand i'm a 60 year old white anglo-saxon protestant straight male i'm talking to all females all amish and right away that tells me None of them have an education above the eighth grade. Most don't even go that far because that's just their culture. Nothing wrong with it, but that's just what it is. Oh, and they start telling me, this woman has gone Satanist and we're a Christian company. And these, you know, God has blessed us with a very successful company and he is not going to bless us anymore. She has to go. She can't work here anymore. Okay, Mm. so now I've been listening. I'm like, okay, so I got to parrot it back. Make sure I heard it right. We don't move on until they agree I got it. So I say, okay, let me make sure I got this. You, you, you're a Christian company. You, you, you're very, very devout Christians. And this woman, now that she's Satanist uh, working here, is going to destroy your company. And they said, right, absolutely. Okay, now here's where we differ. 
when it comes to a lot of diversity folks. In my opinion, they have a right to their opinion. I have no right or a legal right at all either to tell them what to believe. I can't, and here's the rub, I can't tell them to be accepting of a Satanist. But every diversity conference that I've ever been to, and probably been to 30 of them across the last 20 years, I mean, I'm really into this and, and, and that's wrong. And I'll tell you, you got a legal issue. You sit down and you start telling somebody they have to be accepting of somebody else's faith. So here's what I do. I give them a reward because they're humans. They have a right to their opinion. And I would say, I see what you're saying. I understand what you're telling me. But what about this? First of all, Satanism is a protected class. Do you realize that she can sue this company? And since you are in Ohio, where we have personal liability, do you know she can sue you personally and take your house? Oh, oh yeah. And they said, oh, well, that's not a religion. I said, oh, yes, it is. Actually, there are 227 official religions in the United States. And so that's fine. But the other thing is she has a right to be who she is. You have a right to be who you are. You have to be tolerant. Now, here's the big difference. I have every legal right and a legal duty to tell employees how to behave both on and off the job. So I'm telling them you have to be tolerant, which means you are not going to persecute her. You are not going to bully her or I'll tell you, you're not going to work here anymore. I've already talked to the owner. I want to help you because if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to have to explain to your family why you just had to spend 50 to $70,000 on an attorney to defend yourself and you'll lose. And it was funny because they said, well, but she's going to hell. She's going to burn in hell. And I said, well, that's kind of the goal, right? <laughs> that's, that, that's what she's shooting for. Pray for her. And it was really interesting because as soon as they stopped picking on her, she got bored and left. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. She wanted yeah. a spotlight. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she's a Satanist anymore. She might be something else, but she moved away from Holmes County. And But you see, that's the big difference is we tell people to be accepting and, and think in our workplaces today with diversity. Are you going to go tell a staunch Trump supporter who just bought his Trump 2024 flag, which I see all over Ohio, that he has to be accepting of the Biden night that he's sitting next to at work? No, you believe what you want to believe, but we're going to be emotionally intelligent and we are not going to bully anybody because... This is the big picture. It's gotta be safe for everybody to come to work. It's gotta be safe to be white. It's gotta be safe to be black. It's gotta be safe to be gay. And you are making it unsafe for somebody else. That's trust. And that's okay. what tolerance is. Okay, so the big distinctions you're making here for our listeners and viewers is that rather than saying you have to accept some somebody else who's different from you, you're saying you need to tolerate them and respect them in the process. Is that fair? There you go. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to bully them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's, it's respect. Yeah. Okay. So let's keep going here because I want to pack as much as we possibly can into this conversation because there's a sure. lot you bring out in your book here. So one of the other things that I want to bring to to the to the fore here is what you what you talk about in terms of bigotry. Bigotry, and this mm -hmm. is really really important, I think, for this conversation. So you you have a definition in your book that's very succinct of what a bigot is, and this is so important, listeners and viewers. Listen to this definition: a bigot is a person who is intolerant of opinions, lifestyles, or identities that are different from his or her own. Simple. 
keyword intolerant. So I think that's really important, Scott. So is there more we need to understand about this notion of, of bigotry beyond the fact that, frankly, we probably all are bigots on some level? There you go. And that's exactly what I want to get through here, because every train, first of all, Forbes magazine tells us most training and most strategic goals are not met because we make them too complicated. So very simple. Your goal every day to come into work is to make it safe for somebody else. And when I coach somebody and they're in trouble, I will always ask them, did you make it safe for that other person? Now, I run into people who don't mind being called emotional children. And I run into people who are actually kind of proud that they're called a bully. But I have never run into anything, anybody, who, was, who wanted to be called a bigot. And I live in Ohio, which means we rank eighth in the number of states with the most hate groups. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got more in Alabama. We're, we're trying to catch Texas, but we're, we're trying. Uh, yeah. So just, you know, playing on there. So I've even had skinheads uh, in some of my, my audiences. Uh, and, and I'll sit there and say, are you intolerant of other people? And, and I'll tell you, when you get down to it, nobody wants to be called a bigot. And I'll tell you, here's one of those things is the far, 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 far right can go 180 degrees around the world. And the far, 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 far left can go all the way around 180 degrees. If you are such a radical to the right or the left, you actually go 180 degrees each way and you meet each other. You're the same thing. So, um, so bigotry. You've got to have your programs self-regulating. You've got to have people who want this type of environment. And I'll tell you, when I sit down and I have people Google, and I've stacked the deck. I, it was a couple hours of insomnia one night, and I checked with every dictionary online. They all say the same thing. If, if somebody is intolerant of other people's opinions, they're a bigot. Now, think about the battles we're having in our workplaces right now between uh, the far, far left and the far, far right. I tell you, you really want to tick off somebody from the far, far left is tell them they're a bigot. Well, no, I'm not a bigot. Well, wait a minute. You're persecuting this person. You're picking on them because they're different. You let them believe what you want to believe. Because honestly, yelling and screaming at somebody and attacking them is only going to bolster their opinion. So, oh, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I'm going through this with four or five companies right now. The executive teams are going through a whole bunch of training, uh, weekly trainings. Then the employees are going to go through it. And we're going to make it very clear. If you are intolerant of somebody else's beliefs and you are going to bully them, you're not making it safe. That's a bigot. And I'll tell you right now, try to find another job when you've been fired for being a bigot. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So on that, on that note, let's let our listeners and viewers chew on what we've actually introduced here. We'll grab our first break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Scott Warwick, an employment law attorney and HR professional whose unique background helps organizations to build morale and avoid lawsuits. We've been talking a bit about his his approach to and really surfacing what DNI is. After the break, we're going to get into his specific approach to working with, with organizations and learn the five skills he teaches for tolerance. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining the program, my guest is Scott Warwick, an employment law attorney and HR professional whose unique background helps organizations to build morale and avoid lawsuits. He's the author of Tolerance and Diversity for White Guys and Other Human Beings, Living the Five Skills of Tolerance. You joined us today from Reynoldsburg, Ohio. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So for this segment, Scott, let's do this. Let's first situate your, your approach to working with clients, and then I want you to be able to teach us your skills. So you say in the book that you never, ever try to convince your clients to adopt a new DNI program because having more minorities will help their business or anything like that. So what approach do you take? Okay. Yeah. Now here comes, and again, I'm an employment attorney and a business guy. Okay, I'm an HR guy. And one thing I've dealt with a lot of CFOs, COOs, and whatevers. And and I'll tell you, they you gotta look at the world through the eyes of a CEO. First of all, their goal, most CEOs, is to make money. That's why they're there. And if you're with a nonprofit, it's to accomplish your strategic goals. And so they report either quarterly or monthly to a board of directors. So it's all well and good. And I go to all these conferences and it's like how to get your CEO to buy in and all these other, which are wonderful topics. I never do that. I sit down with them and I say, what are you dealing with right now? What are you dealing with right now? Because CEOs, executive teams want to deal with their problems right now. And here's where I stack the deck. If you are dealing with the human animal, the most fickle, the most emotional, the most dangerous animal on the planet, I got you. Because I've never met a CEO that wasn't dealing with uh, people who are attacking each other. That's fight or flight, that they are passive aggressives. And, And I'll tell you, Forbes magazine says that the number one reason most organizations, and I mean most organizations in a good year, only 33% of all the organizations in America hit their strategic goals. Only 33%. In a bad year, 4%. And the number wow. one re- yeah, number one reason wasn't because they didn't set good goals, but the number one reason is people just won't do it. This won't do it. And I always love this because I'll have some engineer or a president or an accountant or somebody say, well, we'll just make them do it. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> That'll work. Okay. So, so I, I ask them what they're dealing with. And I got this very typical story. I'm sitting down having the, the, the CFO and the COO and the CEO, all the O's are there and they're all talking about all the problems. And, and I said, well, yeah, it sounds like you got to, you know, these person's doing this, this person's doing that. The Republicans are tearing the buttons off of the Democrats and vice versa. And I said, okay, you got a bunch of children. And they look at each other and like, yeah, they're acting like a bunch of kids. I said, yeah. I said, you've got a diversity problem. I always hear the same thing. Oh, no, you don't understand. It's a bunch of white guys. And I said, well, okay. Uh, what, when you have diversity, some you can see and some you cannot see. I can see people's color. I can see maybe their gender, something like this. But just because you can't see the difference between people doesn't mean that you don't have them ready to kill each other. 
as our emotions and you got to remember too we're walking around you and me we're all cave people cavemen and women we are hardwired our dna has not evolved in 5000 years and the creationists and the evolutionists both agree on that so that means you and i are still walking around running from saber-toothed tigers so if they're dealing with humans they're dealing with diversity issues and they probably don't know it and the bottom line is tolerance so I start walking them through what a tolerance program is. And what is that? That's what we've been talking about. And those are like the five skills that we look at here. And so is it safe to be different? Which means, is it safe to be black? Is it safe to be Jewish? Is it, but is it safe to disagree? And I got all these different stories that I had to choose. I put NASA in the book, cause that's what I've been waiting on. It, NASA blew two space shuttles out of the air because of a tolerance problem. And I got a wonderful treat a few years ago where I got to meet the woman who spearheaded the change at NASA. She's a wonderful person, fantastic. And she recognized right away, yeah, we got a bunch of white leaders, but they're children. If you disagreed with the brass at NASA over Challenger and told them what was wrong, they fired you. Now think about that, it's not safe. That's tolerance. I am going to pick on someone because they're different, because they disagreed with me. That's a bigot. And then we fired all these great engineers with Challenger. Here comes Columbia. Okay, let me ask you. You just saw corporate capital punishment get committed on all of these brilliant engineers from Challenger. How many engineers do you think are gonna speak up for Columbia? Not too many. And so guess what? whole new change and she i'll tell you nasa turned itself around uh they 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 completely re reorganized the place it is now safe to talk at nasa and i have friends working at nasa and i'll ask them we got a astronaut or i got a nasa location up here in cleveland the john glenn location and they said it is like night and day coming into i come walking in on the balls of my feet now i don't care if you're white black whatever we got to start thinking of each other as humans, human beings. We got to treat each other that way. So for the listeners and viewers who have not read your book yet or don't know what you talk about here. So you, what you're saying in the book here is that in, engineers came to NASA in both occasions and reported problems with the shuttles and they were ignored and in some cases fired. Um, so that's the, 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 you know, that, that ability not to be able to, to not to be able to disagree or to bring up you know, problematic troubles that people oh, there don't want to hear about. Um, okay, so sorry, let me say that again, Scott. So what I want to do here is I want to make sure that our listeners and viewers understand why this NASA thing is so important. So what you yeah. say in your book is you talk about how in both instances, um, engineers or other people came to NASA and reported that these problems, that they, these were so problematic that they might not even be able to bring the shuttle back. And both instances, they were ignored or outright fired or various consequences. So that's what you're talking about, making it unsafe to disagree. Absolutely. So what are the consequences of that? We actually killed or lost 14 astronauts. So this yes. is the price for intolerance. So this, yes. I want to make sure we bring this home for our listeners and viewers so they understand what, what we're talking about here. So now, yes. if we can, let's share those five yeah. um, skills that you teach, please. Yes. yes, absolutely. Number one is always develop your emotional intelligence. And I will tell you that's always first because that's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Uh, medical school is a piece of cake compared to controlling yourself. And I will tell you, um, just give you an idea, emotional intelligence. 
We have two wrong site surgeries in this country every month. That means some doctor is going to cut into or off the wrong limb, something like this, the wrong foot, the wrong hand. And just think about the emotional intelligence. You've got a whole suite full of licensed people by the state, nurses, anesthetists, x-ray techs, they all have to agree that you're cutting into the wrong, the right part. Well, how could this happen? Does nobody know their left from their right? Let me tell you, are you going to speak up and disagree with God? That being That's, the doctor. Uh, yeah. Being the doctor. And I have, a, I, I have a couple of clients, they're hospitals. Doctors have lost their licenses and had to go to uh, another state. And the reason being, they got too big for their britches. Control your emotions and ego. And if you can do that, then we can move to the second one, which is overcome your subconscious brain and resolve conflict. And that's the EPR skills. We all, you and I, everybody on this planet, the way our brain is wired is to store things into our subconscious. And I love this because in class, I go through a whole exercise to prove to people that they have a, uh, a subconscious or a bunch of things we do. But one of the best questions is, let me just ask you, uh, Dr. Cortez, have you ever slept in the fetal position? Yes. Where'd you get that idea? <laughs> kind of creepy, maybe, huh? <laughs> maybe the womb, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the womb or uh, my ancestors, not sure. Yeah, it's kind of creepy if you think about it. You see, we don't really have any conscious memories before the age of three because our hippocampus, our short-term memory transmitter, hasn't grown in yet. So it's very neurological. You don't have a conscious memory. So everything, your accent, everything from like minus nine months to age of three goes into your subconscious. If you and I were raised in a South Pacific island where cannibalism was the norm, you and I would think that's common sense. So mm -hmm. think what part of the country you're raised in, what part of the world. So you've got to over realize and there's a great test out there from harvard the iat it's free online i post on my website there's a hot link before i teach implicit bias i make people take the iat test so they see how much bigotry they got coming in and then we teach them how to overcome it which is to rewire your brain by building familiarity and it's a we talk about neurogenesis and neuroplasticity it's all very neurological as to how you understand and change your brain then we've got to be able to identify bullying when we see it and stop it. And there's a whole section on that. Then we've got to understand real differences and stereotypes. These have a tremendous impact on our subconscious. Give you a really good example. When 300 years ago, uh, uh, slaves were brought to the United States, they were brought all over the world, and the way they were treated was just terrible. I mean, no, I don't, I don't think any decent person could possibly agree that that is not true. So how do you, in your mind, you know, how do you rationalize that you're going to beat somebody or you're going to make them work all day in the fields? Well, you make up myths like black people don't feel pain like we do. Their nerve endings don't work like ours does. Their th skin is thicker. Now, we all today know that's a myth. But what if you're told that from a young age? To this day, as of August of 2020 and 2019, I believe it was, JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association, said that it's a major problem in the, major, in the medical community that blacks are routinely under-medicated for pain, mm. regularly. 
So we see if we don't understand those real differences and there are real differences between us. I mean, things like this, we need to not just chastise somebody because you recognize that, you know, more blacks play in the NBA than do white players. Actually, 78% of all the players in the NBA are black. But if you mention that, somebody will attack you. And it's like, that's true. That here's the stereotype too. The stereotype is where I come back and say, oh, like, like Chris Rock had a show, uh, Everybody Hates Chris. And one of the episodes is where everybody thinks he can play basketball because he's black. He's terrible. <laughs> he's awful. Okay. When I look at somebody and I say, oh, here's the, the, the real difference across maybe 300 million Americans, like women out buy shoes and like 50 times to what men do. But then I come up to Dr. Cortez and I say, oh, you're a woman. You must love shoes. Well, I got to get to know you. So there's myths and stereotypes and real differences. And then finally, and I think the fifth one might be the most difficult of all, do not be an enabler. Um, and I get a lot of these too from the EEOC's new guidelines for harassment training. All this fits perfectly into that. So if you're going to do your harassment training, I suggest you look or if somebody wants to shoot me an email, scott at scottwarwick.com, I'll shoot them the new uh, regulations uh, or the new guidelines is what they got to have in there. This all lines up. Bystander intervention. 57% of the time, bullying will stop within 10 seconds if a bystander intercedes. And I tell you, that is everybody's job in the organization, but people don't do that. They they will sit by. And here's a great question. Will, will you sit by and watch someone die if you might get reprimanded at work? And in the book, I talk about Dr. Husel who overdosed 25 patients on fentanyl, uh, approximately 200 micrograms of fentanyl would probably kill a hardcore heroin user where there's 25 cases where he, he administered or he, he prescribed 500 to 2000 micrograms to a human. Now that's a big debate now as to why he did that, but it's still killing somebody. Pharmacists filled the prescription. Nurse so enabled them. So they there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Doesn't that sound okay. like NASA? Doesn't that yeah. sound like Yeah. Wow, it sure does. Okay, so let me quickly review those and then we'll catch our next break and, and then sure. do some more examples. So uh, listeners and viewers, those five skills that Scott teaches, these are really important. He was giving us examples as he went along. Number one is develop emotional intelligence. Number two, overcome your subconscious brain and resolve conflict. Number three, identify and stop bullying. Number four, understand real differences versus stereotypes. And number five, don't be an enabler. Very actionable. So, Scott, with that, let's go on to our second and final break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Scott Warwick, an employment law attorney and HR professional whose unique background helps organizations to build morale and avoid lawsuits. We've been talking a bit about his five skills and his approach to work with organizations. After the break, we're going to get into some really interesting examples, real-world examples of what happens when tolerance is not available. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. 
This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, my guest is Scott Warwick. He is the author of Tolerance and Diversity for White Guys and Other Human Beings, Living the Five Skills of Tolerance. He joins us today from Reynoldsburg, Ohio. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So for this segment here, Scott, I wonder, really want to bring it home so that we can paint it into what really manifests in the world in terms of this stuff. So the first thing I want to do here uh, is if you would share the story that you have in your book where mm-hmm. you had done a program for a company and the leaders knew your program and they, they called you and said, hey, we want you to come do that for our organization. But that's not what happened. Tell no. What happened. Yep. And here's the other thing sort of been waiting on uh, that. The, the, a lot of diversity experts push, and, and I'll tell you, large HR associations, when I go to a lot of these conferences, I hear these types of illegal plans. They're just plain illegal. The United States Supreme Court has said that it's illegal. Let me explain what's happening here. There, there's, there's legal affirmative action plans and illegal affirmative action plans. So I, I got a call from the Ohio Department of Commerce. Okay. And uh, just nothing against them. It's just a state agency. And they said, oh yeah, we saw your full day leadership and tolerance program. We we really want it here. A lot of our people are excited. And I said, wonderful. This is so great. You are literally 15 minutes from my house, no airline, nothing. This is wonderful. So we got all set up. I designed the program for them, a full day program, sent it over to them. Everything was set. And then I got a call uh, from somebody in accounting. And they said, well, we're, we're not going to be able to let you do the program because we have identified this or we've targeted this as an MBE. And I said, okay, I'll bite. What's an MBE? And they said, that is a, uh, a minority business enterprise. I said, well, what's that? They said, well, 15% of all the state's contracts have to go to minorities. And since you're not a minority, you are not eligible to bid on this contract. I said, no, wait a minute. Okay, no, wait, wait a minute here. So you guys called me. Okay, they wanted me, they wanted this program. Uh, and you're telling me that 15% of all of your programs have to go to someone because of their skin color. And she said, yes. I said, well, that's illegal. And she goes, oh, well, no, it's not. And I said, oh, yes, it is. She goes, well, since when? Well, since about 1978, <laughs> I mean, so, um, and more recently, that's the Bakke decision I was talking about, but more recently in 2003, the United States Supreme Court smacked University of Michigan's fingers because if you were going to apply at University of Michigan, uh, so on a scale of one to a hundred, if you were a minority, if you were black, you got 20 extra points. Now think about this. What if you're running a hundred meter dash and you're back here at the start line and anybody has a 20-yard gain on you. That That is not a factor. That is the determining factor. That is an illegal quota. 20% went all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and that's exactly what they ruled. They said, no, that is an illegal quota system. You are making race a major factor. Now, what is legal? Well, if all things being considered, everybody's all even, you can give a point or two to someone because they're a minority, that's legal. But a 15% quota program with the state of Ohio is blatantly illegal. And and that still is in operation today. Um, 
and except for in the construction industry, which when, you know, my contract was like $3,500, $5,000 for the day, something like this, you're not going to sue over something like that. But if you've got a $750 million or $2 billion road project, <laughs> you'll sue on that. But it, now right there. Okay. If you have to wonder why Ohio is a red state, there you go. Because I know a lot of folks, they have, they have lost contracts. Things like this have happened. It's blatantly illegal. But you kind of see that is one of the problems we're running in today and where are people getting this idea. A lot of diversity quote quote experts are professing this is what you have to do to make up for the inequities of the past. Well, I will tell you, I, I, I have this phrase that I like. It's called boomerang bigotry. And, and I'll tell you, if, if I am a, a, a guy that's got a little electrical business and I had a $10,000 contract from the state and they took it away from me solely because of my race color, well, I can tell you that boomerang bigotry just got thrown at that guy. And what's he going to do? He's going to pick up that boomerang. And he's going to throw it at the next person he sees. He's going to throw it at the next person he sees and on and on and on. I will tell you, uh, two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, yes, there, there could be some things. There are some things we need to do to equify the situation. Uh, but at the same time, employment law is about the rights of the individual. And I can t speak as an expert on that. Let me tell you. But what we're doing here in some of these instances is turning people all against Black Lives Matter. It turns people against, you know, some very good causes. And I know a lot of folks that are against critical race theory and they don't even know what it is. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you see this kind of stuff that they're getting from HR quote, quote, experts and diversity experts is killing us. And I see it every day. Mm-hmm. Well, let's bring to life a few examples that you talk about in your book that I think will really bring this home. So there's there's a few well-known situations that you showcase that really what they illustrate is the absence of competence in the five skills that you actually teach. So let's start with Elijah McLean. Talk oh. to us about that awful situation and outcome. Oh, oh, I will tell you right now, they took me 11 years to write this. And, and I'll tell you, just writing about Elijah went through a lot of tears for this kid. I, I have a son who is uh, Asperger's autism. And, and you just see this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful young man, Elijah McLean, uh, like five foot six, 140 pounds. And he was, he, he had a, he had a blood condition. So, you know, his circulation wasn't good. So we got cold easily. Uh, he was autistic. And so, you know, autistic people don't like to be touched. Okay. It's like if my son, you go up and give him a, a hug, he'll bristle up. Okay. All their sentences, sense, senses are sometimes heightened. So sense of sound, touch, taste, smell. This is what this kid was like. This kid self-taught to play the violin. And he thought some of the cats at the local shelter were lonely. Okay, well, I got cats. I got four, three cats. And let me tell you, they don't get lonely. They just take a nap. Okay, but he's, see, he's, he's personifying these, these cats. And he sits down and he goes and plays the violin for him. He wouldn't even kill bugs because, you know, he doesn't kill things. He doesn't eat meat and everything. Everybody said, this is the sweetest kid. Never been arrested. No, this kid had an absolutely perfect, clean record. Well, one night after dark, um, it was like in the 60s. So to him, it was cold. He had his ski mask pulled down and he's got his earbuds in. And he went to the convenience store and got some something to drink, like iced tea or something for him and his brother. And he's just sort of dancing and singing, you know, just dancing, just pretty free down the sidewalk. 
Someone calls the cops of the Aurora police and says, hey, there's this kid out there. I don't think he's armed. I don't think he's dangerous. I'm just a little concerned that he might, you know, harm himself or something. He's just acting a little odd. So these three Aurora police officers come over and they start talking to him. And he doesn't hear him right away because he's got his buds in and he's got this mask on. And, and one of the things that's really important, part of our subconscious, people, humans, see black males as being bigger and stronger than they really are. That is what is into our subconscious. Now, keep that in mind here. Um, and right away, these three police officers disable their video cameras. But their audio is still going. Well, you know, he doesn't necessarily hear him right away. So what do they do? They, they put him in a hold and they put him in a carotid artery hold. Okay, so what that means is they're putting pressure on his neck for 15 minutes. Now, George Floyd, what, eight minutes and 46 seconds, maybe close to nine minutes, okay? This is 15 minutes. The guy is panicking. And I'll tell you, if you listen to this recording of this young man, if you don't cry, something's wrong with you. It is the, mo it is the most horrible lynching I have ever aware of. And a lynching is killing somebody without due process. This is a lynching. And you can hear the audio. He's apologizing. He throws up. One of the officers says, if you don't stop fooling around, I'm going to have my dog bite you. And just, I mean, he's in horrible agony. He can't breathe. He's pleading for his life. And then the EMTs show up and inject him with 60% more ketamine, a sedative, than what his body weight should have been. Now think about this. He's black. He's autistic. He doesn't understand because he's autistic, but he's black. So guess what? They overestimate his size by 60%. And, and they kill him. They kill him. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing anything. Now, now just think about this so that every, we're all human. And I'll tell you, uh, I opened the book, as you know, talking about Adam and Eve, the biblical story that we all come from two people. The Human Genome Project has, has confirmed that. Adam and Eve is correct. The Eve is the mother of all humans. That was my son. That was my cousin. That was my family that they did that to. And if you have trouble relating to someone who is a different color, which you shouldn't, but if you do, he was autistic. Now, I just love to take a poll with your listeners. How many people right now know someone who is autistic? Mm -hmm. or someone with some mental type of condition, with depression. I will tell you right now, it is a dangerous world because of all these implicit biases. And so Elijah McClain, uh, I just, oh, th that one right there. And, and because of all the attention to George Floyd, uh, the Colorado Attorney General's office is opening up the investigation. And, and when we talk about a culture that needs to be corrected, some of the Aurora police officers went back to the site where Elijah was killed and got pictures of themselves mocking him being choked to death. What makes anybody think that that would ever be accepted? That upsets me. And I'll tell you, I don't care what somebody's race, somebody's color is, we're, it's, this shouldn't be that difficult. We're all human. We're all human. That should never happen to a human being. And because those three officers did that and those other three officers took that photo, Someone out there who is of color, someone who is different, is going to throw that boomerang right back 
at someone who looks like me. And I don't think you didn't actually say this, that the officers were white. Is that right? They, yes, I should have prefaced that. They were all yeah. white. Okay, so let's let's let, apply this stuff for our listeners to really get why this is so important, Scott. Yeah. So in that example with Elijah McClain, these officers clearly did not demonstrate emotional intelligence. They didn't understand. They weren't approaching him empathetic, empathetically. Right. They weren't trying to listen and understand him like you were talking about. In your second rule, they they certainly didn't overcome their subconscious brain. They were governed by the idea that they perceived him to be much bigger than, than he really was. Correct. And um, then number three, identify and stop bullying. Together, the three of them all ganged up on him and bullied him. So that's what oh, yeah. was happening. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. And then number four, understand real differences versus stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that one, and you might want to expand on this with yeah. me. So obviously the stereotype is that this is a, a, a black young man who's causing problems. So there's a yes. stereotype to that. Absolutely. And then finally, the enabler, of course, is nobody really, nobody in, mm-hmm. intervened here. Nobody said, hey, guys, this is too much. This is too much. Right. This guy is, is harmless. Yeah. And not even the EMTs, for God's sake. So right. I wanted to make sure that our listeners and viewers could understand why this example so, so, so showcases the absence of the competencies that you teach. Yes. And those those same that you just went through in that list, all the way down, that applies to, applies to George Floyd. Every single one. And, and I'll tell you, this is one of the things. This is CBS News did a fantastic study on law enforcement in this country. And actually, 69% of law enforcement in this country has tried to implement something. But the police officers who went through it said it's the worst training they ever had. What did they do? They brought in a quote, quote, diversity expert on the norm. And most of these guys and gals got sat, sat down and were told how evil they were and racist they were because they're white. Mm. Don't win people over by telling them that they're racist. And, and and I will tell you right now, the studies are clear. And I'll tell you, I got 11 years of research. I just put four bankers boxes of books and research in my storage facility from this book. Okay. So, and I know I'm going to be challenged on everything. Black people see black people as being more dangerous. White mm. people see, we live in a culture and in a society where we have brainwashed everybody with implicit bias. We brainwashed everybody through our movies and things like this. The blacks are more dangerous. They're bigger and stronger. And, and I'll tell you, it, it is, it, we all have implicit bias. Now, not everybody has this because you can overcome it. And that's what's so sad is there are very simple ways to go about overcoming and finding out what's in your subconscious and overcoming it. And, and if we're gonna survive as a country, if we're gonna survive as a people, we have to do this and we have to start doing it now. Agreed. And we're coming to the close of the, of the show, Scott. So I just want to say two, two things really quick. So for listeners and viewers, pick up his book because he also talks about how Dr. Larry Nasser was able to molest so many US, USA female gym, gymnasts across a 14-year period because of through this lens of understanding and also Penn State Jerry Sandusky. Um, continuing to molest little boys until finally mm-hmm. caught in 2011. So I just want to showcase that. So there's really important ways to understand what we're dealing with in today's world when we don't practice the skills that you teach. So this show, Scott, is listened to by people all over the world. They're trying to create workplaces where people actually want to come and can thrive. And we do business that betters the world. In, say, 20 seconds or so, what would you like to leave them with? I'll tell you, I love to give stuff away. If you go to my website, scottwork.com, there are podcasts that are free. Over 20 hours just for free to try to teach your kids and teach yourself. And just remember, 
we're all human. That means we all deserve to be treated equally with respect and not to be discriminated against. Thank you, Scott. I am so glad that um, jo Joanne McCall found you and or found me mm. for you and connected us. Thank you, Joanne, for bringing Scott to us. Uh, listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Scott Work, his books or the work he does, as he mentioned, go to scottwork.com. Let me spell that for you. Scott, S-K-O-T-T, -T, Warwick. S-C. Sorry, S-C. Sorry, S-C-O-T-T, -T, Warwick, W-A-R-R-I-C-K, scottwork.com. And thanks again to our partnering sponsor, WorkProud, which helps companies build a platform where your workforce receives meaningful feedback and thanks for their work from people across your company. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We are on there with Swati Thiagarajan, the author of Born Wild and the associate pr producer of the smash documentary, My Octopus Teacher, talking about the profound beauty and wholeness connecting with nature affords our health, fulfillment, and spiritual journey. It was a riveting conversation. She is brilliant. Next week, we'll be on the air with Natalie Benamou talking about the membership platform she created for executive women, use rising leaders in professional organizations called Her C-Suite. See you there. Remember, that works at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.